Well, we certainly thank our praise team and for whoever picked out that video. That's wonderful. A wonderful message. I think we'll just have prayer and go home. <coughs> and Tom agrees with that. <coughs> I'll get to him after church. I want you to uh, remember, if you will, about three or four weeks ago, I said I wanted to bring a message on the church as the bride of Christ. And then before I realized it, we had entered into the Easter season. And so today I want to get back to that. <clears throat> and I would like for you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 5. Now, for some reason, <clears throat> uh, this particular passage Paul picked out and he not only deals with the church being the bride of Christ, but he, he deals with the institution of marriage. And I'm not sure that all of us are aware of it, but the institution of marriage is under serious attack today. And I'm not saying it's a purposeful thing, but I believe the government has enacted certain programs that are eroding and eating away at the very institution. Marriage, I believe, is the basic building block of a good and stable society. It was in the second chapter of the Bible when uh, the Holy Spirit said to us, for this cause or for this reason, shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. And all civilizations that have thrived at the heart of that has been the nuclear family. But today we're living in a time when we're seeing the breakup of the nuclear family. And because of that, I believe our society, and I'm talking about America, we are in some serious trouble. Having said that, I want to read what Paul is saying to us here, <clears throat> and it begins with, today would be a controversial verse, but let me read it anyway, and I don't want you to get up and walk out. It says, wives, submit, your, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And then he says this, and I believe if husbands did what God says in verse 25, it would be a lot easier for wives to do what God says in verse 22. Listen to what God says. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless." There were a group of sound engineers that had as their job to add sound to movies 
And so they collected a number of sounds that we often hear, and they had 10 sounds and got people's reaction. And here are four of them. The cry of a baby, the roar of a forest fire, the gallop of horses, and the wedding march. And they did this survey as to what would people's emotional response be to these 10 different sounds. And out of the 10 different sounds, number one was the wedding march. And perhaps the reason that that is true is that people respond emotionally when they hear the wedding march is because marriage is the most fundamental, most intimate relationship that human beings have on earth. And by the way, this is just not a New Testament concept. In the Old Testament, Isaiah the prophet said to Israel, for your husband is your maker whose name is the Lord your God. Even in the Old Testament, there is a comparison between Israel being the bride of holy God. Hosea said this also, and I will betroth you to me forever the word. The word betroth means to be engaged to or to be married. In the New Testament, the picture of Christ as the bridegroom and the church as the bride is not only here in Ephesians, but if you were to read in Revelation, you get the same sense. And so the point that I want us to dwell on today, now we could talk about Christ being the bridegroom, and that was a love that was sacrificial. It was a love that was satisfying. But today I want to dwell upon the responsibility of the bride. Now, I have in my ministerial career did a a lot of weddings. I've done a lot of weddings and I've done a lot of funerals. And regardless if the bride was not the winner of a beauty contest, they always had a certain beauty about them. I've had large weddings, I've had small weddings, and uh, if I wrote a book, I would have ev- about two chapters on weddings and some of the things that happen. And so there is certain beauty about brides. Now, I can't say that about bridegrooms. That's the men. You know, some of us are <clears throat> just ugly. <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is, is that as the church is the bride of Christ, there is to be an inherent beauty in the church. And here I think Paul and in Revelation and even in the New Testament, I think there is something that God wants to say to the church. Folks, we're living in a day when the church is under serious attack. I don't know if you're a news watcher. I used to be an avid news watcher and there is so much politics and even in the news that I don't watch as much as I used to, but I pick up enough to know that there seems to be an open season on Christians. 
It seems to be that even in our news that they slanted against anybody who professes to be a Christian. And by the way, I, I read some years ago where that about 98% of the people who are in the news business have no real substantive religion at all. Doesn't mean they don't maybe attend church or synagogue, but in terms of being serious followers of what we call the Christian faith, very few of them. And so this morning, I, I want us to look at what I believe are two fundamental responsibilities of the church as the bride of Christ. There is nothing more important than what we call the church today. I believe that the church is the basic instrument of God in society to be a help and a healing influence. And I have just two simple things I want us to dwell on. As the bride of Christ, we who are of the church, we're the bride of Christ. We are to show our love for Christ. Love, when it is properly understood, is bedrock and foundational in terms of a lasting marriage. Now let me hasten to say that the aspect of love is not understood from a Hollywood point of view. There are three words in Greek, and I'm not trying to teach you any Greek, but in order to understand the concept of the bride loving the bridegroom, the church loving Jesus Christ, we need to understand what we mean by love. Now, in the Greek, there are three words that are translated love. Only two of them are found in the New Testament, but there's one that's not found, but it's a legitimate word. We have so made it so it becomes almost an ugly word, and the Greek word for one of the words is eros. But today, you know, where we get that term erotic and that, and so we've kind of given it a flavor that was not intended. It is simply the concept of physical love. In the New Testament, the Bible talks about the marriage bed being undefiled before God. There is a legitimate place for physical love in marriage. But you see, it is not what Hollywood defines it as. And so there is the physical love. And when in second, um, the second chapter of Genesis, verse 24... When it says, for the cause of marriage shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. The concept is physical love, which is legitimate in marriage in the sight of God. And bless, and then there is the word, the second word is phileo. Now you find that in the New Testament. It has to do with brotherly love. That's where we get the idea of Philadelphia being the, the place of brotherly love. It doesn't seem to be that way anymore, but the word is phileo. It has to do with a, a love that we might have for each other. My, my, my love for you is a brother or sister in Christ. And then, of course, there is the word agape, 
And of course, you've heard that word. It, it is a Christian word. It is rooted fundamentally. If you and I are to have agape love, we must have Christ as our Savior. Agape love is supernatural love. Agape love does not come because we just feel like we ought to do it. A person needs to have a relationship to Jesus Christ in other words, to have that unconditional love for another person. And it ought to be true in the church. It ought to be true as we go about our lives during the week. There ought to be a, a sense of love for people. And so it is, as I said, a, a, a Christian word. And the Lord's command to His church is that we ought to have that kind of love. Listen to, to what he says in Mark 12, verse 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. In other words, the, the word love there in Mark 12 is agape love. And if I am to be the kind of bride that pleases God, then I must love him with that supernatural love. But how should I do it? With all of my heart and with all of my soul. I had a young man tell me one time, he said, do you know what all means? And I said, well, tell me. He said, all means all, and that's all that all means. In other words, with the totality of my heart, there ought to be a love for Jesus Christ. Folks, there are far too many people in the church that are nibbling around the edges in terms of their Christian faith, but they're not totally sold out to being a follower of Jesus Christ. And when you do that, it costs you. When you do really love the Lord with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength, Oftentimes, people will think you're a fanatic. I say to you that I believe that the character or the level of commitment in the average church is not the agape kind of love. Often our, our love is the kind of, I, I love him because he's done this for me, or I love her because She's a good friend of mine. Agape love is supernatural. It is because of my relationship to Jesus Christ. And as the church, the world needs to see people who show not just by their words, but by their deeds that we are indeed followers of Jesus Christ. You remember in John it said, Jesus said, by this by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Oh, folks, the world, which is not our home, actually we are passing through. Life really is short. I, the older I get, the more I realize that life is a vapor. It is a mist. Uh, I can't believe that I have lived 83 years. And I'm not whistling Dixie here. I mean, life is short. And you see, we are to love the Lord with all of our heart, but the, the testimony that we ought to give to the world is that we love 
one another. I've told you this, and I don't mean to go over already plowed ground, but uh, since I've retired, I think I've preached in 27 different churches. In fact, the phone stopped ringing because I've been here so much. I used to get a lot of calls. Now nobody calls me, thanks to y'all. But I've enjoyed it. <clears throat> but anyway, the point I was trying to make is, is that if we are to be the bride of Christ, then there ought to be, by the grace of God and the mercy of God, dwelling in our hearts a kind of love that is supernatural, that we ought to love people in 1 John chapter 3, John says, My little children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with action and truth. It's one thing to say I love my neighbor. It's another thing to be the kind of neighbor that people really believe that we care. My wife and I live in a neighborhood, and and, and we, uh, and, and in fact, a couple of those families have started uh, attending Franklin Heights, or maybe about three of them. And, and I, I, I would like to believe that it's because I've tried to be a good neighbor. I, I, I think that we forget that when we leave the confines of a beautiful sanctuary like this and we go out into the community, we, we live in a world that people are watching us and we ought to be careful that as we have our daily exercise with people, at that very point, we are representatives of Jesus Christ. And so when things get messed up at the drugstore occasionally, like yesterday I, uh, I went and, and, and when they gave me the bottle, I could tell they had shortchanged me. And you know, they got this counter and, and I, I didn't know what to do. I got home and I said, I told my wife, I said, I, I don't believe they've given me my whole bottle of medicine. So I took it right back up there and, and I knew then that I had to handle that in such a way I didn't want to act like I was frustrated. In fact, I began and I said, ma'am, I'm sorry to be so much trouble, but I think y'all have miscounted. And she took it, and they have some way of checking it. Like I, and, and she came and she said, you're right. It was supposed to be 120, and they hit a button. I thought they counted them. They got a machine that does that. I don't even know why they have pharmacists anymore. <laughs> I'm joking. My son-in-law is a pharmacist. But I said to the pharmacist, I, she said, I, I, I'm sorry you had to make an extra trip. I said, don't worry about it. It is fine. Folks, people look and wonder and, and want to know if we're really authentically followers of Jesus Christ. Or do we get upset when things don't go our way or, 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 or we have to do something that we don't want to do? You see, we ought not to just say we love people, but it ought to be by the actions, the way we interact in our community with people. And in John 14, listen to what Jesus said. He said, whosoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one that loves me. The measuring rod, the canon, the, 
the, the measuring stick, the yardstick by which God determines the kind of bride we are is whether or not we're obedient to the Lord Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that we always get it right because we don't. I, I'm not saying that we don't have to ask for forgiveness because we do. But the Lord makes it abundantly clear. If we are the kind of bride that reflects the mercy and the goodness and the greatness of God, we ought to obey what Jesus said. And he said that. He said, he, he, he said whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Remember the question that our Lord asked one time. It was a, a question that said, why do you love me and you do not do the things that I tell you? And so the first point this morning is that we who are the bride of Christ, we ought to have that, that beauty that we legitimately, not in words, but in deed, we ought to love the Lord because you see, in a human marriage, when it's real love, when it's based upon mutual respect that we love, my wife and I, we often will talk uh, about the grace that has given us 61 years together. And uh, she was the beauty queen in her high school. Now, I was not the beauty queen in my high school <laughs> or the beauty king. But she was a, man, she was a knockout. And, um, but you know, she kind of looks different today than she did 61 years ago. And then I look at the mirror. <laughs> and folks, it's an ugly sight. But I, but I can honestly say, and God knows my heart, I love my wife more now than the day we got married. Because you see, it is the kind of love that is rooted, I believe, in my relationship to God. And the Bible says, you husbands, you love your wife as Christ loved the church. I remember this young man that I had the privilege of leading to the Lord and and we spent about an hour a week, and, and, and uh, we would talk about the things of the Lord. Actually, he's a pastor now. And I remember, we, we, and this has been several years ago, over 15 years ago. Uh, during our prayer time, <clears throat> he began to pray, and he had been a heathen. He began to pray, and I, I had not said anything about it. He said, Lord, teach me to love my wife as Christ loved the church. And you know, for some reason, although I was, uh, I don't know, about 25 years older than, than he is, or maybe a little more, um, I, I don't know if that I had it regularly, but every time we prayed, he would pray, as far as I remember it was every time, Lord, teach me, and he was a young Christian, less than a year old. Maybe it was two, three, because I think we spent one hour a week for five years. 
He said, Lord, teach me to love my wife as Christ loved the church. Oh, folks, today about 45% of marriages are ending in divorce. And somehow if we could reclaim the old gospel, I know there's a lot of things that are new, but just because something is new doesn't make it better. And, and, and everything new, you know, I even went out and bought me a Fitbit. And when I look at the number of steps I've taken, sometimes I want to throw it away. But my point I'm trying to make, just because something's new doesn't mean it's better. Folks, marriage is an old, fundamental, old, thousands of years old. And we're losing the battle for the family in America. And we who are the people of God need to pray that God would be, have mercy upon us because, folks, if we keep going the way we're going now in a generation, if Jesus has not come, there will be no such thing basically as marriage anymore. You say, you're just an old preacher. I am. But this old book is still relevant today. And then... We need to get to the second point, and um, yeah, I got 10 minutes. Not only should we love as the bride of Christ, but we should be faithful to Christ. Remember, our comparison in Scripture is that Christ is the bridegroom. We are the bride, and we need to be faithful to the bridegroom. In any marriage, the bedrock foundational part of a good, stable, lasting, satisfying marriage is faithfulness. And I cannot count the number of times that I've had a marriage partner, a husband or a wife come to me and say, I've discovered my husband or my wife, and by the way, not all unfaithfulness has to do with what men do. About 40% of it is women. And I don't know why we should expect any different, but my point I'm trying to say is that faithfulness in a marriage is fundamentally important. A marriage can survive a lot. But when there is continued unfaithfulness, it almost never survives. And you see, this morning I'm trying to compare the church as the bride and the Lord as the bridegroom. And as the bride, it is incumbent, it is imperative that we, the people of God, be faithful to our Lord And all that that means, faithfulness. I've seen God's grace and His willingness to forgive, and I'm thankful today that I have seen people where they've experienced unfaithfulness, infidelity, and by the grace of God, that marriage has been restored. I thank God for that. But, oh, folks, a lot of times a marriage is broken because of unfaithfulness faithfulness. You remember one of the Ten Commandments. You see, those were the building blocks. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, and they're not, they're not, they haven't gone out of date. 
And one of them, that you should not commit adultery. Oh, folks, uh, I'm trying to make the comparison today that the church, if we're to be the beautiful bride of Christ, we must love Christ and we must be faithful to Christ. And those people who come and with tears or with angst, they say, I've discovered my, my wife or my husband has been unfaithful and their heart is broken. And it occurred to me when I was building this sermon, all the times that a broken-hearted husband or a broken-hearted wife would sit and they would just, their hearts were crushed. And I think about how God's heart must ache when his bride is unfaithful. Do you see the point I'm trying to make? That God's heart is broken. God's heart metaphorically is crushed because of unfaithfulness. Why do you call me Lord and do not the things that I say? Many, many years ago, the first baseman for the San Diego Padres, I believe that's what they were called. There was a man who, who was uh, the first, but his name was Steve Garvey. Steve Garvey was a real handsome fella, and his wife, they had been high school sweethearts, and they got married, and, and, and their marriage lasted for 10 years, and it was in the news, and it was a long time ago, and probably none of you maybe remember, but but uh, as they were going through the divorce, and then not one, but two women came forward and said, Steve Garvey is the father of my child. Well, what's this got to do, preacher? I'm, I'm getting to it. Listen to what Steve Harvey said. His name is Steve Garvey. And, and, and in response, he said this. He said, I will support both the children. He's talking about the children that had born two other women. And listen to what he said. I will support both of these children because I am a Christian. And I live by Christian principles. Well, no, he didn't. And the point is, is when the press gets something like this on a Christian, what do you suppose they think of the church as the bride of Christ? Do you see the point I'm making? And I, and, and I believe, and in fact, in the secular media, media, they had a field day, and, 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 and on, on, on some of the bumper stickers it said, I got to first base with Steve Garvey. And another one, and I'm just not whistling Dixie, it was on a bumper sticker, honk if you're carrying Steve Harvey's Garvey's baby. You see, folks, the church is the bride of Christ. And we need to be faithful to Christ. And, and it makes a difference. And we can't claim to be Christian. And I'm not trying to judge people, but I'm... But I'm saying when the world looks at a person like that and says, 
I will support those children. I started to say illegitimate children, but let me tell you something. There's no such thing as an illegitimate child. There are a lot of illegitimate adults. And they have a field day with that. And because of it, the world loves to make fun of professing Christians. And you and I have lived in a day when there has been a black mark against the church because high-figured public figures who claim to be followers of Christ, they're unfaithful to Christ. Jim and Tammy Baker, Jimmy Swaggart, Sandy Patty, closer to home, Jerry Falwell Jr. Don't you think Dr. Falwell's heart would have been broken? But you see, the press had a field day with that. And here we are, the bride of Christ. And we're out acting like heathens. And God calls the church to be beautiful and to love him and to be faithful. I, I, I want to say something personal as I, as I finish up this morning. And I thought about it, and I didn't want you to feel like I was trying to be too dramatic. But <clears throat> some of you know that my, my wife's father was a preacher. He had four daughters, <laughs> all of married preachers. And um, he said to me one day, he, I, I don't think he ever called me by my first name. For some reason, he always called me Doc. He said, Doc, preachers are going to disappoint you. And you know, I, it took me about 20 years to realize the truth of that. And I remember one night it was cold and a knock came on our door and there was a lady who stood there and I didn't even know her. She said, can I come in? Come to find out, she was the pastor's wife, and she, she said, my husband has left me for another woman. It was a few years later, had another lady knock on my door. I knew who she was, didn't know her personally, but I, but I had met her, and she was mad. She was a pastor's wife. My husband has been unfaithful to me. And when I was a young man, I'm ugly, but I used not to be too ugly. And I'm just not, in fact, I sat right where Tom is sitting. We were licensing a, a young man for the ministry about two or three years ago, and I was sitting right where Tom is sitting. And I told him that as a young preacher, I made a covenant with God. I said, Lord, I said, I've, I've seen preachers be unfaithful to their wives and they brought shame upon their children. They brought shame upon their wives. They brought shame upon the church. God, I promise I'd rather you kill me than to me be unfaithful to my wife. And folks, I meant it. And I can still make a mistake, not like that, but I... I can still stumble, and, and I have a fear at this late date that as the bride of Christ, 
I might do something to bring shame on our great, great God. Oh, folks, we are the bride of Christ. And if anything ought to be true, we're not perfect. We do sin. We need grace. We need forgiveness. But oh, may there be in our hearts a desire to love the Lord our God and to be faithful to Him. The church is the bride of Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. Lord, I pray that I would not have said anything that would be outside the parameters of your word. Lord, I pray that we who are the people of God, that we might love you with all of our hearts, that we might be faithful till the end. Lord, we're not going to be perfect. But Lord, help us to be faithful, to love you, serve you, be good witnesses in our community. And I make this prayer in Christ's name. Amen. An invitational hymn, and if there's some reason that you want to respond today, and I thank you for allowing me to come and be with you.